0: Heard a story a while ago about a man who was going on vacation. He had a cat and he wanted his brother to watch the cat for him. Now the brother hated cats, didn't like him much, but because they were related, he said, Yeah, I'll watch your cat for you. So he watched the cat, went on vacation. As he was coming back home, he called his brother and said, Hey, I just call see how everything's going. His brother said it's going fine. So how's my cat doing? He said, Your cat's dead. And then he hung up the phone. Now, uh, the brother, of course, was a little irritated and, of course, he was distraught. It was his best friend, as if that's possible. And uh, so anyway, so he comes back after, after he kind of thought about it for about four hours. He got the courage up to call his brother back and say, you know, I, I don't understand you. He so said, how in the world could you be so cruel just to come out and tell me my cat's dead? And he said, well, I mean, he is. I mean, what else did you want me to say? And he said, well, you, could, you know, you can kind of ease into that. And he said, one thing that you could have done is you could have said, you know, the cat was playing on the roof, and he fell off the roof, and then maybe when I came to pick him up, you could have said, man, I hate to tell you this, he passed away last night. He said, and then that way, I, I could have dealt with it, you know, a little bit better like that. And his brother said, well, sorry, I'll, you know, I'll try to do better next time. And so, the other brother said, well, you know, on, on that, he said, I just want to ask how mom's doing. And he kind of hesitated for a minute, and he said, well, she's been playing on the roof. Now, uh, you know, I, I, I love that story. Obviously, you didn't like it as much as I did, but I like that story because I identify with a brother who's a jerk. You know, what I mean, I, I just, you know, the whole thing for me is that if I could have an extra dose of something, if I could have somebody give me a do over in life, I would like to have just a little extra dose of, of, of uh, sensitivity. And, you know, maybe it's a little extra dose of sympathy. And before, you know, I'm not just standing up here to make myself look like I'm really bad. There's some stuff you guys need, and uh, I can name some of it. And so I wish there was some stuff that you guys would get a do-over in your life as well. But, you know, when I think about it, that is what is so powerful about Easter. You all know, Easter is the one thing that separates Christianity from all other faiths. It is the story. It is the, the fact of a God who came here and overcame death and because of that sacrifice and then that victory, it means we have the opportunity to have some second chances, some do-overs in our lives as well. And so what we're going to do today in our scripture that we're going to read from is we're going to see the story of Easter just unfold before our very eyes. And what had already happened at this point, and if you want to, you can look with me in Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read in a few moments, uh, starting in verse number 1, but there's some ladies that had come to the tomb of Jesus, it had been several days since Jesus had been executed on the cross. And they were going there for the purpose of putting spices on the body of Jesus. It was like an embalming process. It was a part of the custom of the day. And so they show up on that very first Easter Sunday, and things were not What they thought they would be It turned out to be And they they didn't know this at the time It turned out to be the most significant event In all of history Where we see that man The son of God came here And he conquered that which we fear More than anything else Which is death And because of that We have the opportunity To have a fresh start Now, my guess is there's somebody here today, and and you need a new start in your life. You know, and there's some things, you look at your life, and you look at some things that you've done, you look at where you are right now, and you say, you know, I need a do-over in my life, because there's a lot of garbage that's taken place in my life, and I feel like I'm beyond the reach of even God. That's why Easter is such a great story, because you're not beyond the reach of God. And because of what happened on Easter, we are going to see just some basic emotions that people go through when they have the opportunity to have a fresh start. And I think some of you, you really are, you're looking for a fresh start in your life. And this is why Easter is such good news. And so we're going to look in Matthew chapter 28 and the very first emotion that I want you to see that many of us go through with an opportunity for a fresh start in life is a lot of us are surprised by that. A lot of us can't believe it. You mean to tell me that I can actually have a do-over in life? I mean, it's one thing when you're on the golf course to get a mulligan. But to get a mulligan in life, is that what you're telling me? Yes. And so I want you to see that there was an element of surprise on on this first Easter. In verse number one, it says, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, that's today, that's Sunday, it says Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb, and he rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his robe was as white as snow. This was a surprising event for these ladies. Three days after the death of Jesus on a cross, they go to the tomb in order to embalm the body of Jesus. They were in for a shock. And they were in for a shock because whenever they showed up, things were not like they thought they were going to be. I mean, they're going to a cemetery. When you go to a cemetery, what do you expect to see? Graves. What do you expect to be in the cemetery? Dead people. They show up, and none of these things are true. Now, have you ever been surprised in your life where you've had certain things happen in your life that just totally caught you off guard? You know, things that were just sort of shocking to you. I remember my aunt telling me a story. My uncle's a pastor as well. It just, it runs in the family, so it's kind of scary. And he's a pastor in Texas. My uncle is nuts. And so he was asleep, and his wife thought she heard something in the house. And she starts nudging him. And she's scared. If you knew my uncle, it's like, why is she going to wake him up like he can do anything? So she, she shoves on. she said, Mark, somebody's in the house. And so my uncle, who loves to sleep, just sits up in bed and yells, Get out of here! And then he lays back down. She's like, that doesn't work. And so she's still pushing on him. He gets up. He's irritated. And so he grabs a bat that he keeps under his bed. I mean, anyway, this is funny. So he keeps a bat under his bed. By the way, he keeps one in his car too. This is a preacher. So he gets his bat out from under his bed. He goes into the hallway. And he looks down the hallway like my wife's crazy. Looks down the hallway, lights are out, and he sees somebody in the, the hallway. And so he lifts up his bat and the guy at the end of the hallway does the same thing my uncle's like, oh my gosh, he starts running at the guy, the guy's running at him his wife flips on the light switch only to discover she left the bathroom door open and the mirror on the door is what he's looking at now my uncle was surprised now a lot of times we have surprising events like this happen in our lives the ladies in our text, they were surprised, they were surprised because they were expecting to see a dead Jesus but when they showed up, that's not what they saw what they saw was that the tomb was empty. And you have to understand why this would be surprising for them. You remember if, you, if you've watched anything, about, if you've watched the Bible and if you're watching that series, you'll see it tonight. Crucifixion is so brutal. That's so devastating. I mean, our sin is heavy. And there is a cost that comes with it. And, and as you begin to contemplate the cross and what Jesus went through, there's no way you could watch that and think, Yeah, Jesus is going to come back from this. They beat him mercilessly. They nailed nails into his hand. They pulled his beard out with their hands. They shoved a crown of thorns on his head. They said he was so disfigured that you couldn't recognize him. They shoved a spear into his side. And these ladies saw it all. And so when they came to the tomb, they were coming to embalm his body. They were not coming to to find Jesus alive. They were coming in order to find him dead. But when they got there, he was gone. Now, if we're honest, we'd have to say that would be surprising to us. The ladies shouldn't have been too surprised. Because you know what's really interesting? Is Jesus said he was going to go through all these things, but then he said, but I will come to life again. In Matthew 16, 21, it says, From that time Jesus Christ began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be, says, and be killed and then be raised up on the third day. Jesus said He's going to rise again. You might be surprised that if you place your life under the leadership of Jesus that Jesus can forgive you of your sin. You might be surprised to think that if you put yourself under the leadership of Jesus, that Jesus can reconcile and restore your life. And he can give you joy. And he can give you hope for tomorrow. And yet so many of us doubt it. So many of us think, I'm I'm too far gone. But We shouldn't be surprised because Jesus promised these things to those who follow him. In John 14, 1 through 6 Jesus tells us, says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And here's a promise for you. He said, in my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way I am going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. This is Doubting Thomas. He said, how do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now you can hear those words and you might be skeptical today. And you might say, well, that's a nice story. It ranks up there with Peter Pan and Paul Bunyan. But how do I know That's true. How do I know that these are words that I can count on? Because as you go through Bible and you look at at events that took place through history, you will see God always keeps His promises. He never lies. He tells the truth. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one, Jesus, who's been tempted in all things as we are, yet He was without sin. Hebrews 6.18 says, it is impossible for God to lie. Here's the question. Do you believe that? Do you believe that when God makes promises that he keeps them? And it's real easy to give the church answer, yeah, I believe that. But do you live it? Do you trust it with your life? Jesus died. And Jesus got up. That's why we are here today, celebrating. Now for many people, that is a surprising story. See, Jesus doesn't just want us to hope that happened. He wants you to know that it happened. And that that victory can change your life. So what are some emotions we go through? There's surprise. But there's another thing that can happen. There's another emotion that we go through when there's a life changing or a chance for a fresh start to happen for us. And that emotion is fear. Which is kind of strange. You know, whenever we have the opportunity for change, many of us have fear. Now I want to read to you in verses four and five. It says, the guards were so shaken from fear of him that they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. Now, now you wouldn't think that fear would be an emotion that we would go through if we had the opportunity for a fresh start in life. But change, and I'm learning this. The older you get, the less we like change. And I don't, I, I don't know how many of y'all have discovered that yet. It doesn't even matter if it's good change. You know, if it's if it's good for you, we still don't like it. Now, why is that? Because we like things to work out. We, you know, we just sort of. I mean, even if it's bad, if I do this, this, and this, and this is the expected result. I'm just. I, I like it when things just sort of happen like I expect them to happen. They go to the tomb what are they expecting to find a dead Jesus they show up at the tomb there's somebody sitting on a rock now it's an angel this is where you all get to participate what did the angel look like according to the text he looked like lightning what does that mean you know I guess it means he was bright he looks like that's a pretty good description nobody's ever said that to me man you look like lightning Nobody's ever said that. They said, I'm quick as lightning. They never said, I look like lightning. Uh, They said that his clothes were as white as snow. It it was out of the ordinary. As a matter of fact, it was so scary that the Roman guards who were guarding the tomb, it says they became like dead men. I mean, an earthquake happened too. And then the angel told them in verse number 5, he told the ladies who came to see Jesus, he said, do not be afraid. Why did he say do not be afraid? Because they were afraid They were scared. You know, sometimes we allow the story of Jesus, who He is, the change that He can bring into our lives, the hope that He gives us, we allow it to make us fearful. Because we begin to think of all the things we'll have to give up if I'm going to follow Jesus. Guys, do you think that your way is going to be better than God's way? I mean, do you think that God is the ultimate killjoy? Or do you think that he came here to give you life, as he said, and to give it to you more abundantly? Jesus came here for us to have life, and yet we settle for so much garbage because we're afraid to trust God. Yeah, it's not unusual when life change presents itself to you that it makes you a little bit nervous. For those of you who are fathers, you might remember the first time your wife told you that she was going to have a baby. Did that make you guys, did that make you a little bit nervous? I, I still remember the first time Emily told me that. I mean, and the reason why is because I knew who I was. I can, I can trick everybody. I, yeah, I know that I trick y'all, think I'm really mature and got everything together. Now, when I was, when we first got married, you know, just, it was just within a couple of years and she told us we're going to have a child. And I was thinking, I have no idea what to do. Now, I know it's going to be a great experience, but it frightened me. It frightened me because I hadn't even thought about it before. And I became nervous. Now, it's, it's okay that if you become nervous, if you think, if I give myself to Jesus and I follow Him, it's going to be so different. But you can't allow that to cause you so much fear that it paralyzes you. You know, fear paralyzes us. When we become fearful, it, 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 man, it just makes you stagnant and you're afraid to do anything. I, you know, if you're, if you're anywhere near my age... Um, You might remember that on Saturdays, it seemed like every Saturday they'd always show like King Kong and Godzilla movies. Now, I don't know if y'all remember those or not. I used to love those things. And uh, Godzilla, you know, the big big lizard, it'd always be like in in Japan or something. And he's walking around in like downtown Tokyo, humongous Godzilla, and he's just knocking buildings over. He's, you know, breathing out fire. People are scattering. He's crushing cars. But there'd always be that one guy in the middle of the street and Godzilla's walking right towards him, and the guy just stands there. Y- y'all remember this guy? And he would lift his foot up, and the whole time I'm thinking, just run. And what does he do? He throws up his hands like, that's going to help, and he screams, ah. And, and, and then what does Godzilla do? He steps on him and squashes him like a jelly donut. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, what? why didn't he move? It's because fear. And, that's what, and, and fear, that seems crazy, but fear does that. Fear paralyzes people. Don't don't allow fear of what God can do in your life to paralyze you to where you're you're inactive, to where you don't do anything. Assume with me Jesus really did conquer death. What is that going to mean for your life? How does his resurrection change you? What does it mean? Let me read you 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you who are, listen to this, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation. Ready to be revealed in the last time If the resurrection of Jesus is real It means that you have the opportunity To experience the resurrection of Jesus In your life too So that should make you scared It should make you joyful There's some emotions we go through When there's an opportunity for a fresh start I are surprised I can get a new start We become fearful Man, What's that going to mean? The last thing I want you to see is that the motion you should go through, there should be excitement. There should be excitement on this day because what Jesus has done. We see this in verses 6 through 8. In verse number 6 it says, the angel said to them, he's not here. He's been resurrected just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's been raised from the dead. In fact, he's going ahead of you to Galilee and you will see him there. Listen, I've told you. So departing quickly from from the tomb, with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples the news. This is an incredible story. A dead man came to life again. They come to the tomb, he's not there. Now can you imagine, try, try to put yourself in these shoes. If you went to a funeral and you came back a few days later to put flowers on the grave and somebody's standing there and they said... Hey, Bill's not here anymore. He left. I mean, what are you gonna think? You're gonna think that guy's nuts. Uh, and on top of that, you're gonna say, Oh, is that true? Let me go look for myself. The angel understood, this is a natural response. The angel understood this. If you look in verse 5, the angel told the ladies, he says not here, for he's resident. And then he said, But come. Look for yourself where he lay. You know I like this. Here's why I like this so much. God is not afraid your questions. God is not afraid of the doubts that you might have about this story. He's a big God. God wants you to seek because as you seek truth, what you will discover is that God is truth and that when God tells us something, God keeps his promises. He keeps his word. So how, how do I examine the resurrection? You know I mean, obviously we come to the church, we read Scripture. You know, you know there's great materials out there. I mean, do you understand that Jesus is the most written about person in all of history? It's not Caesar. It's Jesus. Do you know there is more historical evidence for the life of Jesus than any other person in world history. It's Jesus. You think God's afraid of us asking questions? He wants us to seek truth because He is truth. So what do you settle for? What are you going to settle for? This world or the truth? One of my favorite stories, and I'll close with this, is Stephen Jobs, of course, he was the CEO of Apple Computer. When it first started, after a few years, he wanted to get John Scully, who was the CEO of Pepsi, to take over And he was talking to Scully, and and Scully, he would not leave. He just kept turning down jobs over and over again, and Jobs started getting really frustrated. And after a period of time, finally Jobs was fed up with it. He called him up. He said, listen, you mean to tell me, he's totally exasperated, he said, you would rather spend the rest of your life selling sugar water instead of working for a company that's going to change the world. Is that what you're telling me? Scully said, I never thought of it like that before. He said, I quit, and I went to work for Apple to change history. That's a pretty good move. I heard that story, and this is what I thought. I thought about it for all of us. You mean to tell me that you'd rather spend the rest of your life going after the sugar water of life, going after what you want, And what you think is right. Instead of going after the truth of God. Who can revolutionize your life and give you an eternity and raise you from the dead. You want sugar water? Or do you want Jesus? Guys, Easter is about putting before you the opportunity of a fresh start. Let me just close with this question. Are you content investing yourself in you or are you ready to invest yourself in a Jesus who has power over death? I know where I'd rather put my marbles. I want to put it on Jesus.